Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? It is good to have you guys with us today. We are in a series in the book of Daniel called Being Courageous in a Cancel Culture. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 2 this morning. Daniel chapter 2. Um, I had a good friend of mine that we have done ministry for years together. And, you know, we would you know, preach sermons. We actually went and recorded sermons alone in a little recording studio that we had at a previous church. And he would sit there and listen to me, and I would listen to him. And we were just best friends doing ministry together. But he helped me out tremendously. Here's what he did. We did one of my first sermons at a congregation that we served. We were on staff. I was a youth pastor. He had listened to me prep this sermon. I actually used a full manuscript, and I was just like trying to be really, really like it was just it was a big deal for me. And I'll never forget, he said, listen, one of the things you do is you talk really, really fast. And back in the day, I was like the guy from Micro Machines. If you don't know that, you, you can look it up there, young people. He's like, and so he told me, he said, I'm going to sit in the front row. If you start going too fast, I'll give you a cue. And so out of the gate, I came out, and I was just like, and then he, he was sitting there, he went, He was, like, he, like, he was like coaching me through it, and I'd do the same for him because he was really loud. He, was, he didn't talk fast, but he was really, really loud and hurt your ears. Um, he would give me these cues to do that, and it helped me out tremendously uh, when I first started ministry. And what I want to do today is share with you about how so many times in our lives, people around us in our daily life are giving us cues. And those cues are so important. And I want to share with you today how those cues are actually the key to your calling in life. And many times we miss it. And when we look at Daniel today, you will see that Daniel paid attention to a very important cue from a very important individual, and which actually changed the trajectory of Daniel's life and his friends' lives. And so here's what happened. If you have the, the southern kingdom of Judah, northern kingdom of Israel was split into two. The southern kingdom of Judah was very, very wicked. They disobeyed God. They walked away from the Lord. Uh, they were setting up you know, idols in the temple. The priests were worshiping false idols. And it was really bad. And God was angry at them. Why was God angry, as I said before? Because he said, I have filet mignon for you, and you're eating steak. I mean, I mean and you're eating dog food. Like, I have steak, and you have dog food, right? Those two things. And he was so upset with them that they were doing this. Because they were selling themselves short. They were breaking the covenant that the, the Jewish people had made with God and God made with them. It's something beautiful. And so what God did was this. He told them through prophets in the Old Testament, get ready, Israel. Destruction's coming. Because of your wickedness for years, now your priests are wicked. The whole nation's just completely wicked. He said, I am sending destruction by way of the Babylonian Empire. And so Jeremiah, if you read that book, as I've, I've said before, is kind of a precursor to that. If you don't know how God felt about the children of Israel that time and what was happening, Jeremiah is a very depressing book. It's all like, hey, look, you're really terrible and destruction's coming. And so what was going to happen was, is God was telling them that you're going to come and exile will happen and then you'll be pulled out of your, and it did. King Jehoiakim was finally defeated by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And the Babylonians were the most wicked people on earth. They came in, they killed children, killed uh, women. They, I mean, they were just, they were terrible. They took the children of Israel out of the southern kingdom of Judah, brought them back to Babylon, and here was what the goal was. Let's find the best Hebrew boys we can find, the smartest, the strongest, and here's what we're going to do with them. We're going to indoctrinate them and make them part of our team. And they're going to advance the Babylonian Empire. 
So that's where Daniel comes into play here, because Daniel was one of those Hebrew boys. He was super bright. Him and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, were in Babylonian captivity. And what you find is, last week we saw that they were told to eat the food, the delicacies of the king. The king had his choice chef make all this great food for him. And then Daniel's like, hey, um, chief of staff, can I talk to you for a second? We don't want to eat this. It violates the Torah, the Jewish, the Jewish law. We, we can't eat these things. And it's been sacrificed to idols. We're not going to show that we have fellowship with Babylonian culture. He could have been killed, Daniel could have, and the chief of staff could have been killed for even telling King Nebuchadnezzar II, we're not going to eat those things. But as we learned last week, they didn't eat it. They ate only vegetables uh, for, for, for those days, and they were stronger, and they looked better, and they were smarter. And then in verse 17 and 18, this is where this comes into play. It's very, I told you last week, when they refused fellowship with Babylon, when they refused to entertain and be part of the culture, and they said, I'm going to follow God fully, it says then they were given the ability to interpret dreams and were given wisdom that no one else had in the land. Now, this plays into what happens today. Because today, here's what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar has a very startling dream. Startling. It scares him. I mean, it keeps him up at night. He's worried. He's not sure what it means. It was a dream about a statue. I could go into all the details of the statue, but it was a statue. And all this stuff was happening. And so here's what King Nebuchadnezzar did. It troubled him so much, he called every enchanter, every magician in Babylon to come. He said, I'm not going to tell you the dream. you gotta, you got you to figure it out and tell me. And they're like, can you give us a hint? charades, the two words, you know, syllables, I mean, if anything, can you, he's like, no. And he was so angry that none of them could give the answer. He said, okay, I'm going to wipe all of you out, every one of you, and I'll start from scratch. Guess who was included in that? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they heard about it. And what you're going to see here is that Daniel goes and he prays and he seeks the mercies of heaven. He seeks God. Him and his friends seek God. Now, there was dual motive here they didn't want to die <laughs> but they saw an opportunity as well they sought heaven and then daniel takes a very bold stance he goes and he says king nebuchadnezzar i can tell you what the dream means and this is where it gets really really salty because he's like here's the deal this dream means your empire is coming to an end you're going to be destroyed there's another end you don't tell a narcissistic you know hot-headed king that right that's not something you tell him like hey hey by the way it's over for you and daniel stands up and tells him that and what we see if you look at um in verse 46 of daniel 2 look at what happened once daniel told him the dream it says then king nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before daniel and worshiped him and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. Now realize in that day and time, in those, those cultures, especially a, a culture that was really influenced by Egyptian culture, they believed that kings could be gods and people could be gods. So it was kind of normal for them to do that. And the king said to Daniel, though, and look, look what he says, though, to him. He doesn't say, Daniel, you're truly a god, but look what he says. He says, truly, your god is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this secret. Like he starts giving glory to God. Nobody worshipped the one true living God except for the Jews then. And this says in verse 48, Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the 
whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. What I want you to understand here is that Daniel saw a cue that happened. When you go back and you read Daniel chapter 2, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar couldn't sleep. He was angry. He was anxious. He had all these things happening. And Daniel saw a cue because he saw crisis happening in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. And what I want you to understand today that we have to pull from this as we look at this ancient scripture here is that this crisis is a cue to implement calling. Crisis is a cue to implement calling. I'm going to explain that. You and I, in our daily life, are out and about with people every day. Whether you're at the cash register, you know, at Target or Walmart, or you're, you're getting food, or whatever you're doing, neighbors, bus stop, every day you are around people and they're going through crisis. People will give you cues. You'll say, hey man, how are you doing today? Well, let me tell you, I'm going through this. And they start sharing a catharsis moment with you, a crisis that's happening in their life. And at that moment, that's a cue they've given you. Remember the cue? My friend said, and I had to pay attention to the cue. When they give you that cue, because they're going through crisis, here's the key. That's when calling comes in. And I have this big pet peeve. We think calling is getting on stage and doing this here. I wish I knew my calling like you, Kevin. I wish I just had, I just knew what God wanted me to do. I just want to know my purpose. And what we think calling is, let me just, let me just get on my soapbox. We think calling is doing something we want to do to make us feel grandiose and great. We're, we're surrounded by influencers on, on social media. That if I want to be great, I want to have calling, I want to have purpose. You look at people on TV, people that write books. And can I tell you, many of us will never find our calling. Here's why. Our calling, I think primarily, this is what I do, guys, in my, in my, my daily life, is to look at people's crisis. They give you a cue, and then you can insert the gospel in their life. You can share the gospel with them. They're giving you a cue. I don't want to spend all my time with Christians all the time in church world. I want to be out and about among people that whether they know Christ or not, that just be out with them because they're going to give you cues. Like literally, I had this guy and I told him something I was going through in my life and we're in the locker room, like the men's locker room. I've just finished sauna time and the locker room's an awkward place. Can everybody say amen, right? And he just unloads on me about what something he's going through. Heavy. And I'm like trying to, I was, I was on the way out of the, out of the locker room. But I realized at that moment, he just gave me a cue because he's going through a crisis. Now here's time for my calling to come in. This is not my calling. My calling is to be a Christ follower any and everywhere I go, looking for cues when people go through crisis. Then now I can come alongside, and whether it's to plant the seed, water the seed, or give the increase, it's now my time to come in and interact with that person on a spiritual level in some way, shape, or form. Amen? It can be as simple as saying, I'll pray for you when you see the cue. It can be as simple as um, praying for them on the spot right there. Hey, do you, have, do you have a moment? Can I pray for you? It can be as, as simple as inviting them to church. I'm going through a tough time. And you say, hey, well, you've got to come to church with me. I went through a tough time too, and this helped me out so much. Would you mind coming and sitting with me? 
But the problem is we think calling is doing something that just makes us feel good. Writing books and speaking. I have so many people, I, I cannot tell you, that are miserable because they're, they're, they keep thinking their calling is to be an influencer and get YouTube followers and get people in front of a platform when the, the crux of our calling is interacting with people on a daily basis, looking for cues when they're going through crisis and you're able to actually see your calling happen. That is my calling too. We're all in the same playing field here. You know that, right? Even though I'm a pastor, we're all in the same playing field. Jesus gave the great commission to all of us, not just some of us. It's a commission where we look for those things. But many times, here's what happens. If we're insensitive, then we're going to miss out on inserting the gospel. If we're insensitive, we're going to miss out on inserting the gospel. Now, Daniel could have been sulking and been like, look, King Nebuchadnezzar, I got a lot of problems, and your dreams ain't one of them. I'm not at home anymore with my family. I can't go to the Jewish temple to worship. I, I'm, I'm isolated. I'm in a foreign culture. I don't have time to worry about. I need to pray for myself. I ain't got time to pray for you and all your dreams and problems. That is not what he did. He was sensitive. But many times, if you're like me, somebody gives you a cue somewhere, and you're like, okay, cool. Like you, you, you're the lady at the cash register. You're like, too much information. <laughs> Let's just keep going with this thing here. I've got places to go. People see things to do. Let's just, let's just go. Instead of realizing when somebody gives you a cue because they're going through crisis, God is just now giving you an opportunity for your calling to come into play. The problem is we're insensitive to it, and we miss golden opportunities that the Lord lays in front of us on our daily life. You know, Keith said this earlier. One of the major values of Thrive is living on mission. I love mission trips. They're great. Problem is, many of us will travel thousands of miles to do something we won't do for somebody across the street. We will spend thousands of dollars to go and share the gospel with a complete stranger, but we come back home and we're irritated because the lady put pickles on our cheeseburger and we're screaming at her. When she does not, probably doesn't want to be making hamburgers and putting pickles on them. That wasn't her dream in life. She's trying to put food on the table and we're insensitive. Because we're selfish so many times. And God just lays out these opportunities for us. And when I look back at my life, the, the key hinge moments of when uh, the Lord really either drew me to himself before I knew Jesus, or not only before I knew Jesus, but after uh, you know, I began to follow Jesus, I look at key points in my life where God came in through a, through a cue I gave someone. I'll never forget, um, after I first gave my life to Jesus, I've been saved one week. It was a radical conversion. It was all this. But, but I still had doubts about all this. It was brand new to me, right? Brand new. Just didn't know about all this church stuff and Jesus and all that. And that week, I was on the way to a Christian rock show. I got, I got hit by a drunk driver, right? Like, it wasn't high speed, thankfully. But, brought, I mean, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, this guy was completely, like, wasted. And, like, boom, hits me, destroys my car. Um, you know, I lost my job that week. My dad had to fire me that week. Because um, again, I, I got mad and hit his, the front end loader and busted the windows, a $150,000 piece of equipment that I, I could, brand new that I did that. I mean, it just seemed like everything was just falling apart for me. And I'll be honest with you, I wanted to give up. And two things happened that gave me the courage to keep going. Number one, the youth pastor, who's a dear friend of mine to this day, sent me a letter. And he just wanted to encourage me. He had no idea all this was happening. 
And I got this letter and I read it. It's like, wow, that's so cool. Then I'm at church on Sunday morning and our young adult Sunday school teacher pulls me aside and he reads. I've not read through the New Testament yet. I've been, I mean, I was freshly saved. He reads to me a scripture that said, don't think it's strange, uh, think it's strange the fiery trial you're going through which is to test your faith, which is much more precious than gold. Like, I still, and he looked at me, he said, Kevin, he says, your faith is precious, and God is testing it, he's strengthening it, everything you're going, and he just, he started ministering to me, and the man pulled out a little envelope, he said, here, here, I, I just want to give this to you. Man, there was $100 in there. I would tell you, for me, that was like, because he knew everything I was going through. He saw a crisis in my life. That was a cue for him to implement his calling. Because I don't know. I mean, I have no clue where I'd be at today because I wanted to give up on Jesus. Give up, as if this is Jesus in church, and I'm trying to do the right thing. All this, I, I'm just done with it. And so this means so much for me, guys, because my life, and I could go on story after story after story. When I've had crisis, I've given a cue. Somebody has implemented their calling in my life by being there for me. But it's so simple we can miss it. What do we have to do? How do you do that? It's this. Care for those who give cues. Just care. Care for those who give cues to you. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know everything about Scripture. You don't have to be a prayer warrior, whatever that is. You don't have to be in church a long time. You just have to care. And when somebody gives you a cue, you just have to care. For, that's what Daniel did. He cared for King Nebuchadnezzar, and he met him in his crisis. Matter of fact, in Daniel 2, verse 1, it says this here. It says, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And watch this. His spirit was so troubled that sleep left him. He could not sleep. I think the worst torture ever is not getting sleep. Of parents of all the newborns in the house, can they say, amen? Couldn't sleep. Verse 3 says, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. He was full of anxiety. King, king Nebuchadnezzar had anxiety happening in his life. And then it says in verse 12, for this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. He was angry. He was furious. There was cues that he gave, and Daniel stepped in and just cared. I think that many people, and John Maxwell said this best, and I think he coined the phrase, it's been said a lot in leadership, people don't care how much you know to know how much you care. And when somebody gives you a cue, just stepping in to care for them, saying, I care about you, I care about what you're going through, gives you the opportunity to leverage the gospel in their life when you meet them in crisis. And most people will tell you they came to Christ through a crisis. Something happened with this, this, you know, moment in their life where they went through something and somebody met them in that. And so how did Daniel do that? I want to look at three things today of how Daniel did it, how we can do it. Because when we leave here, guys, you're going to, listen, you're gonna, hopefully you'll start seeing the cues everywhere. Like cash register, waitress, people at the gas station, people around you. you just start seeing, oh, that's my prayer for you. But here's what Daniel did. The first thing is this, Daniel sought to solve someone else's problem. He sought to solve someone else's problem. Now it says here in uh, Daniel chapter uh, 2.16, he asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. I think so many times we think our calling in life, and this is something that's so important to me, we think calling 
is me doing something great. You know what calling is? You know what? You, you know how to, you, think about somebody who's great. We just talked about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., right? He solved the problem for what he did. Anybody great solved a problem for someone else they had. He saw injustice, inequality, and he solved the problem. Go through the list of people in life. Thomas Edison, we have lights today because what? He solved the problem, somebody else's problem. Our problem is we don't want to get involved in anybody else's problems because we've got our own problems. And we're missing calling. Um, the reason I get to do what I do, I mean, you guys know I work, I work four jobs. This is one of four that I do. I travel. I'll be traveling this week. I train pastors. I coach pastors. I train church planners. Train church. I mean, I, I do all I, I write content. Everything I do in life is because I'm solving somebody else's problem. All my calls, everything that comes in, every, every, is, is me, fa Facebook messages, emails, it's me solving somebody else's problem. That's why I'm here. If, until you're willing to become a means to an end for somebody else's problem, you'll never find your calling. That's all he sought to do. I'm telling you, the most valuable, I, people all the time say, well, I wish I had a job, I want a job in ministry. Solve a problem for someone where you become so valuable to the organization they can't let you go. Uh, we had a staff member a few years ago who I just talked to this week, we're dear friends, uh, who he came on as a leadership resident. Means he graduated college, he couldn't find a job. <laughs> couldn't find a job in ministry. He went to school for ministry. He had no skills. He had no skills. He came in, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach you skills, and when we get done with this, to do this year residency, then hopefully you can find a job somewhere. What this guy did was... I'd never seen it done before, ever. I still haven't seen it done. He said, I want to find out all the problems you have and solve them. He had this job that did like five different things that we usually would not mesh in any other place. But there's all the problems we have, and guess what he did? He just solved them all. We couldn't do without him. His name was Justin Morris, and some of you remember Justin, that he came in and said, I'm, and here's the cool thing. When he moved to be closer to his family, when they, they had their son, Guess how he got the next job he had? They had a problem. Yo, you got a problem? I'll solve it. <laughs> you know, John St. Clair cannot hold himself from trying to rap the rest of that song right now in the back. I, I can hear him. I can hear him rapping it right now. But Daniel sought to solve someone else's problem. That's the first thing you've got. You've got to be interested in somebody else's problem, not just your own. The second thing Daniel did was this. Daniel was sensitive to God. Verse uh, 17 of chapter 2 says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek, and I love the way this is worded, the mercies of God from heaven concerning this secret. I mean, seeking the mercy of God. God, have mercy on us for this. We're going to die. And he sought the mercies of God concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions may not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The second thing, you've got to be sensitive to the Lord. It's called having your head on a swivel. Because God every day is dropping opportunities in front of you. And it takes you just being sensitive to the Lord, saying, God, today on my daily route, show me the people who are going through crisis. Help me see those cues and not miss the cues that people are giving me through prayer through reading the scriptures being sensitive to the lord i'm telling you you will begin to see your life will be an adventure you think your life's boring you're the reason your life's boring your life can be this crazy adventure that anywhere you go and at any moment you can actually 
be a minister to someone else. Isn't that awesome to think about? That you have a chance to implement calling anywhere you go. You've got to be sensitive to God. And then finally, here's what happened. Daniel's sensitivity supplied God with glory. And it says here, as we read earlier, he says this, verse 28, but there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. That was Daniel speaking there to, to the king. And then verse 47, as we read before, then the king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of secrets that you could reveal this secret. And it goes on to say that he was promoted, Daniel was promoted. Here's the end of all this is that people will glorify God because you're able to come in and just care for them when they give you a cue. People are doing that over and over in your life. But many times people share their problems. You know what we do? We want to kind of like have a contest. Oh, yeah, let me tell you what I'm going through. I mean, just like just not even, I mean, not even knowing that God just opened up a door for you. And you're, that's, that's how I am. I had to break myself of that. Because at the end of the day, when you begin to insert the gospel and, and, and connect with people, people will give God glory through that. People will begin. The way I came to Christ was that very way. I had a best friend who died. And me and my buddy Eric used to hang out at this guy's house. And we'd all hang out and just party and do all this stuff. He's an older guy. And uh, we, just, we just hung out and partied there. And he was a you know, the voice of one of the big Christian, or not Christian, but one of the radio stations in our, in our um, country radio stations in our, in our town. And he died of an aneurysm suddenly. And Eric had given his life to Jesus, and I'll never forget, and I've told this story before, that I was not following Jesus, and I knew Eric was, and we were in Wendy's at, at just kind of standing in the line, and I'll never forget where I'm at. I can see it to this day. I told Eric, I said, if Andy didn't get to heaven, nobody did, because he was a good person. And Eric looked at me. It's the first time I ever memorized scripture. He said, unless Andy turned to Christ and repented and gave his life to Jesus, he didn't because we're enemy of the wicked works of our mind to God. But through Christ, we can be reconciled. And he said that. And I'll never forget how angry I was at Eric. I was like, bro, I'll punch you in the mouth right now. Said, Jesus crap with me, man. I mean, like, I was like, angry, dude. Angry. But it was true. And I ended up giving my life to Christ several months later. Eric saw crisis. Friend had died. Yes, I was angry. I opened that door up, and he walked through it, and that helped change my life. I'm telling you guys, and I could just go on and on and on. There are people who will give you cues this week that you've never noticed before. It's your opportunity to step in and implement your calling. What am I going to say? That's why you got the Holy Spirit living in you. How do I respond? The Lord will lead you and guide you. What, what, I don't know what to do. Just care for them. Can you just do that? Can you just care for them? And I'm telling you, there's no telling the impact you're going to make in people's lives. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you that you give us opportunities every day, Lord, to be able to share the gospel, to meet people in their needs, Lord. We thank you for that, God. So, Father, right now, I just pray that you would help us be sensitive to the cues that are be being given to us all around us. Help us to see somebody else's problem and want to get involved with it, to see somebody else's crisis, Father. And whether it's a prayer, whether it's just a, 
uh, God, a scripture, whatever it is, Lord, help, help us to know what to say in that time, Lord. We pray for that right now. Give us the courage like Daniel had to step in and to meet someone in their distress, Father. In the end of the day, God, here's what we ask. May Christ receive glory. May it all be led back to you, Lord God. And we thank you for that. And maybe today, church, as we're in this mode of prayer, I just want to just submit this to you. Maybe today you're, you're at a place where this has been a cue to you, whether you're online or here physically, you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make that same decision you made, Kevin, many years ago. It's time. It's time for me to stop playing games. It's time, it's time to stop being on the fence. It's time for me to surrender. And whether you walked away from your faith or whether for the first time ever you want to give your life to Jesus today, or I don't know, you know where you're at there, today is your day. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith after me. And you say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I can't save myself. I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today I confess Jesus as my Lord. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I ask for full forgiveness of sins. I repent for my old life, and I receive brand new life. Now, God, help me to give you glory everywhere I go. And it's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.